I felt the Lord say we need to stop, but I'm also nervous because I don't want us to lose where we've just been. Um, and and I, I just want to say in worship that, yeah, there's guys up front here that are helping us, but, but that's not the worship team. The worship team is out here on the floor, and we're the guys who are worshiping. So as much as these guys are leading us and helping us, us get there, it's when we come together and when we walk up into the front and we start worshiping and we start going for it, that's when worship really takes off. And I, I feel tonight there was, there was a, we started off, there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of hesitance, or not hesitance, there was a little bit of resistance, that's the word I'm looking for. But something broke and I just feel there was something amazing that, that happened tonight and I don't want us to lose that. So stay in that spirit of, of worship. But hopefully what I'm, going to, what I'm going to preach on, what I felt the Lord lay on my heart, is going to, is going to add on to what we've been worshiping, and, and we're going to put the Lord back on his throne and, and maybe just see something of the Lord. So uh, as things happen, um, yeah, I, I, if I had to pr- give a, a, a name to this preach, I would call it um, Growing in Love. Um, so hopefully you guys see where I'm going with that already, but... So this week I learned something very interesting uh, that I didn't know. Um, so those who were with me this week, don't, don't spoil it for the rest. Um, I'm looking at a few guys. But what, what language has the most descriptive words in, in, the, in the world? There's one language that, that has more descriptive words than any other language. Yeah, so English has the most descriptive words out of all the languages that there are. There's over 200,000 descriptive, 200,000 words in the English language. Now, I guess we can thank people like Shakespeare and Wordsworth to, the, who added these words into our vocabulary. But with, even with all these words, with 200,000 words, we are still not able to capture one word properly, and that word is love. I think the Greeks have a whole bunch of words for love, but we haven't been able to capture the, the, the word of love properly in English. So today we use words like, I love rugby, or I love to have a braai, but we kind of throw the word out very loosely. And I don't think we always have a proper, you know, it's, it's, we use the word interchangeably for a lot of things, and I think we've lost some of what that is. So English does actually does a very poor, it does the word love a very poor justice. The word is often overused and misunderstood. In John 15, verse 12, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Very, very simple words, very easy words and easy to understand. But how did Jesus love? How did Jesus love those that he cared for, that that were with him? How does Jesus love us today? So as I've mentioned, Greek has a whole bunch of different words and... uh, this word love here, I think, is a little bit different to what we might understand. But there's, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so please, guys, don't expect like a whole Greek lecture. But broadly speaking, there are two types of loves. There's the, what I've, so again, this is me, so this is, <laughs> hopefully I'm not like really butchering it too badly. But I've kind of loosely categorized them into two terms, which is natural love, which is kind of love in the world, if I could put it that way. And then a godly love. Um, and we're going to broadly look at these two categories, and then I'm going to try and show you the differences between them and how these two things, how these two relate to each other. And then hopefully I'm going to show us how we can grow in this divine and godly love. 
So there's three, there's the first type of loves are loves that are experienced by everybody. Um, these are natural loves that we would kind of come into contact with every day. These are, these are the loves that I generally, broadly speaking, was, was referring to earlier. Um, these type of loves are, in a sense, able to transcend people. They are able to transcend uh, things. Um, they ignore stereotypes and they ignore the backgrounds that people come from. And that is the love that I think the world kind of sees when we see those posters and so on, uh, love conquers or love words. But that's not necessarily the love that God has. But that love, even that love, is able to transcend people, transcend things. Interestingly enough, that love is even able to transcend species. So we can, for example, love a dog. And the dog, in a sense, is able to love us back. But it's not a godly, it's not a divine love. So when we see it from outside, it almost seems like a godly love, but it is, there's something fundamentally missing. There's something missing within that, even in that love. So an example of this could be um, the love of a, a mother caring for her child. So the mother would very dearly love this child and bring this child up. And even if the child were to be extremely naughty and painstakingly naughty, this mother would still be able to come in and love the child no matter what the child has done. Um, and that is a kind of love that, that is necessary and needed to be able to nurture and to, to, build, to build a child. But even, I want to say, even in that, there's a, there's a love in there that is reciprocating, needs reciprocation, even needs something to come back and love the mother back. Even in that, the, the mother is doing it for some need of her own as well. The next love is a friendship love. A friendship love can be... A friendship love typically starts out with a shared and common interest. So, for example, you would go golfing together or surfing together or playing chess or whatever the case is, but it's a friendship love. It's something that's a shared interest. And once the shared interest grows, you kind of start finding other commonalities and that friendship starts building from that, from that place. So we grow into a deeper understanding and we, we build this bridge and we build this love across from each other and, and that kind of grows. This love, unfortunately, can sometimes be a little bit selfish. So it would be, hey, it's us three and no more, or whatever. There's, there's, there's something about it that is not always inclusive and wants to bring other people inside of it. So that love, unfortunately, does sometimes suffer from that. Then the next love is the love between lovers. So that is the erotic love. But this love needs to kind of be built on something before it can become the proper love that we're speaking about here. So the erotic love or the, the passionate love that, that two people have for each other, if that is all that there is, that is going to die out and fail very, very quickly. What we need to have is a base of friendship love or a different kind of love together with this erotic love that builds on top of each other and, and kind of plays off of each other so that we can grow into the proper love that a man and a wife should have. Even in the world, we see this, you know, marriages don't last because the, 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 um, the erotic love kind of falls away very quickly. It needs to have a basis of this other friendship love, this caring love for one another that, that, that is able to pull us through in the difficult times. However, for this love to really be this kind of love, there still needs to be that attraction and that, that, uh, that mutual attraction between man and woman. And that is really what then builds this, this kind of love. Interestingly, we had a 
whether we welcomed a couple who just got married. But interestingly, it's kind of important that people who are in that position and thinking of getting married should get outside and external input so that people can see and that people, other people from an outside perspective can say whether or not they believe that this love is going to continue and that this thing that they're busy building is actually built on the proper foundation. So that's why it's important to bring that kind of perspective in. Cool. Then we're going to chat a little bit. So those are the, broadly speaking, very highly high-level terms that we talk about the friendship or the, 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 the natural love as I've kind of grouped them. Then there's a, the God's love. Now we speak about agape, and that is a gnome, which I'm sure that most of us have heard before, right? Um, but that is the love that God has for his people. But more so, it's also the love that Christian people see to love their, own, their brethren. So it's the Christian love for others who are, who are in the body of Christ as well. Now, interestingly enough, if you need to, if you put yourself out there and you're willing to love something, you need to be able to be vulnerable. If you're not vulnerable, then you're not actually truly loving and you're not actually putting your life on the line or, or not actually putting any skin in the game for that matter. So you actually have to be willing to, to get hurt at the end of the day. You need to be willing to take the risk to, in the end, get hurt by something or someone. You need to be vulnerable. You need to take that chance. Um, can we put up 1 John 4, verse 7 to 12? This is a short piece. Um, Dear friends, let, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved, but that God loved us. And he sent his son as a atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Cool. Thank you. So God's love is uncontainable. God is completely self-sufficient. There's no need for God to... There's no need to, for God for us to minister to God in any sort, way, shape, or form. There's nothing that, that he needs from us. He's got everything. He's completely self-sustaining, and everything that he does... There's nothing that we can do to earn his love. There's nothing that we can do for him to love us more. His primary, his, this, his primary love is a gift love. This is a love, a divine love, and a, and a, and a divine energy love that, that, he, that he gives us. There's no need for God who created us to receive love from us. It's also not a managerial love where God kind of manages the earth and says whatever needs to happen and needs to go on and like says this needs to happen now and that needs to happen. So that kind of, hopefully that explains a little bit about God's love which transcends, which transcends us. And now moving on to growing in love. So God's love is like a light. We aren't able to see the light, but by the light we are able to see more clearly. So what I mean by that is we can see people's actions, and by people's actions we can see God's love through their actions. But we don't see the love itself. We see the actions of the love that, that, God, is, 
that God is putting in front of us. So I believe God has given us these natural loves, those ones I was t- talking about earlier, as a little bit of a, a shadow as to his love. They're not perfect in his love as, as his love is, but it's a, a, a way to show who he is to the world. Um, and he's actually he's given us these loves. He's given us a mother the ability to love a child who is ex- extraordinarily crying or you know, going through the night and with very few hours sleep. He's given the mother that love. Or he's given the love to a good ruler who's able to rule well and to rule justly. Unfortunately, the ruler would typically fall short. He's given the love to a husband to love his wife and to care for her and to look after her. Unfortunately, a husband would typically fall short of God's love and he would treat his wife harshly or he wouldn't treat her well. So God's love is different from this natural love. There's a different, it's a different love that transcends those kind of things. He doesn't love us for the sake of the person, but he loves us besides that. that. He, he doesn't love us out of pity. He loves us in a way that we cannot give back from, from ourselves back to him. His love works with us in us and disregards our own desires, but desires only what is best for us. This love is what makes us love outside of who we normally would love. This is the same love that is able to love the naturally unlovable, those people who are perhaps sick and perhaps they are our enemies, perhaps they are criminals, people that would not necessarily typically be able to to enable to cause us to love them. But this is the love that God gives to us. This is the same love that moved the Samaritan to, to go and help um, to go and help the man on the road. This is the same love that is able for us to go out and help people. No one can give anything to God. We cannot we cannot give God any more love than what he already has. Every, all our love is actually coming from God. But one thing that we can do is we can withhold our love from God, and that is something that we must be wary of. So we are able to withdraw ourselves, and we are able not to love God. What I believe we should be able to do is freely give back our love to to God. So I think this evening we've kind of already experienced that. We've freely given ourselves in worship, and, and, and in that sense of freely giving ourselves, he loves us back, and we can feel we can feel the love that God is giving to us even as we worship him. We can freely love God by bending our will to his. Just as Jesus said, not my will, Lord, but yours. We are able to love God in that way. We can also help our brothers in need. In 1 John 4 verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. So we are able to help others in need. We should be able to love others in need. And unlike natural friendship love, this love is unselfish. In 1 Peter 4 verse 8 we read the following. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So we are able to love one another deeply and we are able to, this friendship love that was kind of maybe started out as a a shared interest can actually grow into something way, 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 way more. 
So God is love. And if we are to be transformed into a Christian and we, we are becoming more like God, should we not become being transformed into him in love? I believe, for me, the, the biggest way that we're able to actually live out this love is through church. Now, church is not necessarily what we see here. Church is not necessarily the four walls around us, but church is our expression of the body of Christ. And when we get together, um, each part of the body gets together to become the body of Christ. So although we have a meeting on a Sunday, this is not church. And I think that's something that we need to, to really, uh, really change the unlearn something that might have been taught to us from a young age. Um, church is really the body of Christ. He's, Christ lives within each and every one of us. And when we get together as a body, that's when we represent Christ. So in church, we are able to learn to love. How does that work? In church, it's, we're given the opportunity to love one another by, by being hurt. I mentioned earlier being vulnerable. If you're not vulnerable and you're not able to allow yourself to into that position, you're not going to be able to experience this. So you need to be able to be hurt by people. But the important thing is in church, we are able to be restored. We are able to forgive people. We are able to come back and restore the, the relationship that was once was, which is very different to what the world would do. We have, that, we have the saying, uh, um, iron sharpens iron. So when we love each other, we are able to sharpen each other. We are able to speak into each other's lives. People can walk alongside you and help you in, into your life. So what does this really mean? It really means walking and growing. It's a discipleship, right? We are walking with people and being discipled by people and loving people and being loved by people. <clears throat> so we, we also grow by forming friendships. I kind of touched on that already. But when we grow friendships, this becomes... It becomes something different when we are in the church and, and when, we are, when we are walking together. I've heard it say that fellowship is friendship on a mission. Fellowship is more than just sitting together and having a meal, but it's actually going somewhere. Fellowship is a mission. Uh, uh, there, there's a direction. There's some reason why we're doing this. It's not just to have a nice time together and to, to get together. Yes, that's part of it, but there's a mission. There's a reason why we get together and we, and we, and we uh, fellowship together. In church, we have the opportunity to be hospitable. We can do that outside, but I think in church, what happens is uh, we are we're able to invite people outside and come into our homes. There's the conference coming up, and I maybe just want to pause quickly on the conference. Yes, we call it a conference, but it is way, way more than a conference. Um, just this week, uh, just today, actually, I heard of somebody who has changed again. Some, I've heard so many stories of people's lives who are changed at these, at these meetings. So yes, it is a conference, and, but it's, it's more than a conference. It is getting together with believers from all over the world. It is getting uh, input into our lives from, uh, from all different shapes and walks, and, and, and it's building friendships. It's building friendships that transcend all the way, you know, we can build friendships with people we might only see once, but we might build friendships with people who are able to walk with us each and every day. So we're going to take this friendship that we've now built and we're going to take it into eternity with us. So that is something that, that is, that is what the conference is about. The conference is not about just sitting and hearing a good message. It's really about coming to serve and coming to love and to be loved. And I think lastly, church offers us an opportunity to minister. 
it offers us an opportunity to minister to people, to pray for people, to 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 pray for healing, to pray for to pray for breakthrough in their lives, and and we actually get to hear what God is saying. So we actually get to hear what the God of love is saying to this person, and we can actually minister to somebody. And isn't that just an amazing privilege to be able to do that, to be able to speak to somebody through the lens of God? And then I just want to read another passage, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. So you guys can read that with me if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in you and your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we seek or imagine, according to his power that is in work that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and through Jesus Christ, through all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Because we are rooted in love, we can know the knowledge that, that, that we can know Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And I believe that is an amazing thing to be able to know God and to be rooted in his love. So uh, we spoke about this a bit earlier, but I think it might be just nice to go and read through this very briefly. Luke 10, 25 to 37, really just the story of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law Sorry, that's Luke 10, 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two silver coins and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It is God's love that enables us to be like the Good Samaritan. It is not our own love. It is not who we are within ourselves. 
It is God's love that helps us invite the, the stranger into our home. God's love is more than a good mother who loves for her children. Rather, it's an eternal and divine love. This love is, is a love longing for nothing in return. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you shared your love with us tonight. Thank you that you brought people into your home, into your kingdom this evening. And yeah, we just want to praise you for that, Lord. Thank you that there is someone who has an eternal life with you tonight that, that didn't have that when before this meeting. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.